This is the Make America Grape Again podcast, produced and recorded by Cody Burkett, the Arizona Wine Monk. In this podcast, we explore wines from all 50 states in the United States of America. I am the wine monk of the own grammar. <laughs> Hello and welcome to another episode of the Make America Grape Again podcast. I'm your host, Cody Vladimir Burkett, CSW. And I'm Tiffany Pop. Wine hippie. Today we're not in Kansas anymore. No, we're not. We're going to explore Missouri because Missouri loves company. Yes, they do. What a lovely pun. <laughs> That's how I roll. Uh, we are looking at the La Chance Vineyards Crimson Cabernet from 2015. Uh, to read the back of the label here 2015 Missouri Crimson Cabernet, red wine. Uh, nestled in the foothills of the Ozark Mountains, La Chance Vineyards takes advantage of an ideal climate that has sparked more than 200 years of winemaking tradition in the region near historic DeSoto, Missouri. With our many varieties of grapes, the warm days, cool nights, and water from world-famous artesian springs make for flavorful wines with uniquely elegant profiles. Um, so this is in uh, eastern Missouri, so it's not in central Missouri like Herman, uh, which is the other old and venerated region for winemaking in Missouri. Uh, Missouri, again, uh, survived Prohibition. A little bit better than Kansas did, obviously. <sighs> I forgot to look up how many freaking acres are in the state. Slow clap, Cody. So, wine produced, according to Wikipedia, is 971,031 gallons. A nice exact number. Lots of different varietals. 400 vineyards wow. in uh, Missouri. Uh, no listed acreage. Uh, so it has 400 vineyards and 116 wineries. Um, so apparently there was some cultivation of uh, grapes by native peoples of the area of non-vinifera varietals, because vinifera only came over uh, as a result of basically European colonization. Um, but there are indigenous species uh, that were bred with vinifera to produce varietals, including one of the ancestors of this grape, um, Tiffany had a really awesome time with the winemaker for this vintage. I did. Um, I took a Midwest tour uh, and went to a ton of wineries in uh, Kansas, Iowa, Illinois, and ended up in Missouri. And uh, Lachance Vineyards was kind enough to invite me to their winery and show me around and talk to me about their um, hybrids. Uh, The one that we're drinking today is the Crimson Cabernet. Um, had a fantastic time walking through the vineyards talking to Harold Hamby who is the owner of Lachance Vineyards and uh, he told me that the um, Crimson Cabernet comes from a Norton uh, Cabernet Sauvignon Cross uh, which he calls Crimson Cabernet and there's also a white um, Cabernet called Cabernet Doré and that grape is actually a recessive white gene likely from Sauvignon Blanc which is a parent of Cabernet Sauvignon so the genetics on everything gets a little tricky but you know this this man is doing amazing things um, at his winery and making just fantastic wines for the industry in whole Missouri uh, in 2008 there was about 1,600 acres planted in grapes alone uh, the market share of Missouri wine within the state was 7.95 percent the history, like I was saying, was very, very early on. A lot of German immigrants brought their grapes and then produced these vinifera hybrids. 
Um, Stonehill Winery is probably the most famous winery in Missouri. And at one point in time, they were the second largest in the nation and the third largest winery in the world uh, until Prohibition. Mm -hmm. And then that vineyard was closed, and then it was reopened again. And that uh, started in 1965, was the beginning of the revival of Missouri wines. And if I remember right, I think Augusta AVA is the first AVA in the country. Maybe. Let us uh, double check. You're correct. Okay. Quote Wikipedia. The federal government has recognized the importance of winemaking to regional and national economies. The region received the first certification issued by the U.S. government as a distinct American Viticultural Area, or AVA, in 1972. Uh, As we've mentioned in the Massachusetts podcast, uh, these AVAs recognize unique qualities of soil, climate, and other various unique characteristics of the given landscape that create identifiable wines. Uh, so the Augusta AVA, which I think this is from? Um, might border it or something. It might be in it's close. Augusta. It's got to be close. Because this yeah. says it was bottled in Augusta. Oh, okay. Uh, Missouri. So produced and bottled by La Chance Vineyards, Augusta, Missouri. So Augusta AVA. Mm-hmm. Um, so this is from the oldest AVA in the U.S., which I think is, Pretty now that fun. I know more about yeah. it, is really, really cool. There are three AVAs in Missouri. Uh, there's the Augusta AVA, which is the oldest, and where this is from. There's Herman AVA, and then there's the Ozark Highlands AVA. And all three of these smaller AVAs are within the Ozark Mountain AVA, which covers southern Missouri, below the Missouri River, northwestern Arkansas, and northeastern Oklahoma. Interestingly enough, this is one of the few regions that has a state tax that's designed to help the wine industry also. Um, this is, uh, there's a state tax on wine, uh, which is now 12 cents per gallon, uh, actually supports the Missouri Wine and Grape Program, which is providing scientific and marketing support for Missouri wines. Uh, they've also actually hired a viticulturist to assist in restoring the wine industry back in the day. And they've got a full experimental station at um, MSU, Missouri State University. So interestingly enough, it's really... Uh, Missouri took on marketing and showing themselves as a wine region, kind of following California's footsteps, and, you know, it seems to have worked well. There's great wines I've tasted out of Missouri, and this one's really, really Mm -hmm. fun. It is a lot of fun. It's also super dark, and that's showing, I think, the the Norton genetics of this grape, because, as I mentioned in episode one, uh, we talked about how Norton has the most anthocyanins per capita of any wine mm-hmm. anywhere and this must be close because this is it's a beautiful color it's just rich like dark uh reminds me of, like garnet cloisonne dark purple velvet like yeah very deep deep colors uh it's got a, a really juicy nose and juicy palate it's dry there's there's no residual sugar that either of us have really Mm-mm. found Mm-mm. we're getting a lot of bilberry slash blueberry and uh, a little bit of cherry and blackberry and Mm -hmm. blackcurrant and redcurrant is kind of the primary notes. Mm -hmm. Uh, For those secondary notes, uh, what were we saying? Uh, A little bit of uh, violets. A hint of leather. A hint of leather. I definitely get violet. Um, And there was some other fruit or floral character. Oh, I was saying lavender. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, But I hunt for lavender so maybe I, I find that scent in more things that don't 
necessarily have it. Yes, out of uh, Harold Hamby's um, eight acres of grapes he has at his winery, six of the acres are actually crimson Cabernet and Cabernet Doré. That's probably the, the biggest planting of this grape in the world. Mm -hmm. I would think it has to be up there. And this is a new varietal. This is a varietal that's so new, it's not in our big giant red wine book uh, by Jansen Robinson. Which was in 2012, you know, so it's a relatively new book on grape varietals. Yeah, and so... Yeah. I mean, to be fair, that book contains really only the, the 1,300 most common, mm -hmm. and this has not a common grape, but it has weird stuff in there anyway, like, you know, Pulsar that, like, only three or four people are really growing anymore in France and, and mm -hmm. stuff, so, uh, and important rootstock varietals as well it has in here. Well, maybe in our next revision, yeah, this will I, show up. Yeah, I mean, this is a handy reference book, it has a few grapes that are missing, this is one of them. Uh, another one that I've tasted that's not in this book is Obade from Lebanon. Um, but this is not the Lebanese wine podcast. This is Make America Grape again. So um, I love Lebanese wine, by the way. If you find it, try it. Um, but back to Missouri, because as we've said before, Missouri loves company. Right. Uh, this is juicy. I, I'm And surprisingly low tannins for this color. Again, I was... Mm -hmm. When Gary and I were drinking that Norton, we were both kind of like, wow, there's no tannins here. This is weird. Um, because, again, if you were to do a Vinifera wine this dark, mm -hmm. out of Tana or Ionico or Saparavi, you'd be sucking on tannins. And, and then there would be so many tannins like that your mouth would dry out. Absolutely. And there's none of that character here. I encountered a lot of um, Norton wine in the Midwest. Um, this is by far one of my favorites. Another thing that I really liked that they did with um, Norton was make um, a port. So they, I've actually had the Norton port, I think that was in Aubrey Vineyards in uh, Kansas City. And that was pretty good. I liked it a lot. Um, so, you know, they're experimenting with the Norton varietal. And um, I like what they're doing. And I think a lot of the the supposed market stigma against uh, American hybrids and French-American hybrids uh, stems for two reasons. Uh, reason number one is because people are making them wrong. Mm -hmm. People were perhaps applying new world winemaking techniques instead of striving for a more European, terroir-focused landscape model. Um, I'm not going to say natural winemaking because I've never had an, so that's not true, I've had one natural wine hybrid and it was beautiful. Um, that was the Iapetus Tectonic, which was a skin contact wine, that was a few episodes ago. But that's the only one I've had, and that was a great natural American-French hybrid varietal natural wine, old world traditional techniques, and it was tasting great. Mm -hmm. I've had some new world New World Mode Wines, uh, made from various French-American hybrids. And you encountered some, too, when you were in Kansas. Like, uh, Holyfield does a lot of those. Yes, they do. Uh, and they can be difficult, and I can understand that stigma. But I think the other stigma, honestly, is the old boys' club are like, oh, anything that's not from France or Italy is bupkis, harmf, harmf, harmf. Uh, and so much of that wine culture comes from, like, France and Italy. And so it's like, oh, Americans, oh. Uh, until California kind of took the scene and 
It's possible that uh, French American hybrids may a for one be more resistant to climate change mm-hmm. uh, as seasons and such go on because right. they're adapted to native soils and native climates in America, arguably. Absolutely. That's why they have the hybrids in the Midwest is because their winters are so harsh yeah. and the, these survive, you know, and this is what they make the wine out of. And, you know, I really think that there's a trend in America right now with the farm to table concept. Which is a damn good concept. It is a great concept. And, you know, drink local, you know. And uh, these are, are local grapes. Mm-hmm. Local grapes, local wines, and... I think we should be supportive of it. Yeah. I would love to see some people try and make, maybe not French American hybrids, but some sort of hybrids with uh, our indigenous grape species in Arizona. We mm-hmm. have one. Mm-hmm. Uh, Vitis Arizonica. The problem is it's not very well suited to grape and wine production for a couple of reasons. One, it is not a hermaphroditic vine. You need male and female vines mm-hmm. to reproduce. And reason number two is the berries are extremely small as these are very large. Uh, so you don't get much juice. But if you were to maybe cross that with a few other different, either other French-American hybrids or other vinifera varietals, you might get a really fun, interesting grape that A, wouldn't have to worry about phylloxera with, Mm -hmm. which is the other bonus, by the way, of French-American hybrids and why many of these hybrids don't do so well on the East Coast. So you use these as rootstock. You can't unroot them. Um, we'll have to talk about phylloxera in another episode um, because it's uh, such a fascinating thing although uh, to tangent before we go off of phylloxera a lot of the vineyards in Missouri helped to send rootstock to France during phylloxera mm-hmm. but the big research on combating phylloxera came out of Texas so we'll talk about that in a Texas episode I'm rambling. I'm sorry. Tangent. Tangent! Attention deficit, you shining. <laughs> but on that note, uh, misery loves company and yes. make America great again. Cheers. Cheers. This was an episode of the Make America Grape Again podcast, sponsored, produced, and recorded by Cody Burkett, the Arizona wine monk. You can reach us at makeamericagrapepodcast at gmail.com on Instagram at, at the AZ Wine Monk, or on Twitter at CV Burkett. Be sure to also check out our website, MakeAmericaGreatAgainPodcast.com. My name is Tiffany Alonzo Pod. Please follow me on Instagram at wine underscore hippie or my website, winehippie.com. Or you can email me at winehippie1969 at gmail.com. <laughs>